when fear is is this this overriding emotion, I just keep thinking about you know perfect love drives out fear. What is it that Jesus calls us to um, when we are commanded to love one another? I think part of why those moments are so staggeringly beautiful for us um, are that we realize there someone or some ones have been liberated from their fear enough to um, to enact love in some way. Hey everyone, welcome to the Missing Voices podcast. This is Justin Forbes, your host, and you're listening to an episode within the Youth Ministry and COVID-19 series. Our hope is to lift up the reality of youth ministry in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. You know, none of us were prepared for this, and so we've done the best we can to go out and find folks who will help us think well about youth ministry in this new, hopefully temporary, reality. We will lift up signs of hope and tell stories that are just beautiful. We'll talk about practical tools that might be helpful. And we'll also talk about hard things, the challenges that we are all facing as we seek to live out our calling to love God, to love kids, uh, and to do the best we can to be faithful witnesses to God's work in the world. So I hope this is a gift to you. I hope there might be even just one thing that you can use and take away from this episode that will help you live into your calling as folks doing youth ministry. Enjoy. All right, everybody, we've got Megan DeWald here with us. Megan, are you there? I'm here. Hello. Perfect. Hello, Megan. Megan is the Assistant Director of the Institute for Youth Ministry at Princeton Theological Seminary. And in this role, she runs the IYM's Certificate in Youth and Theology program, as well as the new International Certificate in Youth, Theology, and Innovation. In addition, she manages the IYM's digital resources and organizes events and learning experiences for people engaged in youth ministry. And with nearly two decades of experience in youth and young adult ministry, she is passionate about nurturing authentic connection and friendship among people from different social locations and equipping leaders to understand and navigate systems, structures, and relationships. She writes and speaks for national and international audiences and also serves as a staff consultant with Ministry Architects. And Megan, what else do you do? Because it sounds like you don't do anything with your life. Just kidding. I I nap. Uh, Every opportunity that I can, I take a nap. (laughs) I didn't see see napping in your bio. (laughs) I should have have sent that over because that's that's actually a a very rich part of my life. (laughs) Okay, well, Megan, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure you're trying to sneak in naps, but I consider you to be quite the essential worker in this pandemic. I imagine really no one can get by without some Megan in their life. I mean, you know. Proof positive of that is um, sitting here in um, a bathrobe on my couch uh, in Oakwell, New Jersey right now, um, watching as actual essential workers are um, making their way to work while I have a bagel and a cup of coffee beside me. <laughs> so, awesome. uh, I'm, you know, just really grateful for those who are essential. And I think uh, this is a, a time where we're really um, learning and having to learn that uh those who we consider um, essential deserve to be compensated accordingly. Um, yeah. So I love that those questions are bubbling up right now and that people are starting to acknowledge uh, different folks in different industries like that. I think that's so good. Yeah. But it is humbling though to realize how non-essential you are 
um, in moments like this where the best thing you can do to serve all of the world is just stay home. Right. <laughs> right. And what, so. what culture should be better acclimated to that than us Americans? I mean, right. <laughs> you know, we're, I mean, you know, currently we'll see how we do. Um, we're not doing great at the moment, but um, no. everyone just stay home for goodness sakes. <laughs> so yeah, if you're able to. The, the only thing that's hard about it is that we're being told to do it. And so, right. well, shoot, man, I don't want to stay home if you tell me to. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. Yeah, let me welcome to every conversation I have with my 70 uh, year old, 70 plus year old parents. Um, where they only wanted, you know, to stay home up until the moment they were told that they needed to stay home. Then suddenly, you know, Walgreens is the most fascinating place on the planet. And how dare you say I can't go there? Uh, oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's so great. Well, so uh, Megan, we're giving you a call here, and we're uh, doing this episode of the podcast with you for a few reasons. Number one, because your work with the Institute for Youth Ministry or IYM at Princeton Seminary uh, puts you on the front lines uh, working with youth workers and, and in my opinion, uh, working with some of the best people thinking about, um, you know, how do we uh, push the ball forward or, or advance the, the sort of practice of youth ministry and, and how do we support folks doing that work. But also you created this incredible resource that we're going to talk about in a little bit about uh, just, you know, you created this online resource that is a sort of a holding place for tons of resources, uh, pointing people to other uh, opportunities or other resources that exist. So you've created this like one stop shop mm -hmm. sort of experience for folks, which is great. And we'll get to that in a minute. Moments like this reveal, they open us, they open us to ourselves and to others and they reveal what's sort of under the surface, I guess. Right. And so my temptation to hoard and to self-protect mm -hmm. and to um, live primarily out of fear, mm -hmm. you know, like, I think there are people that they're experiencing that in themselves and maybe they're disappointed in that. Maybe they're fanning the flame of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and just letting that run wild. Um, but I think it's, it's fascinating to have this, um, pandemic sort of hold a mirror up to ourselves to say, what's going on inside of me? Um, and you know, I, in, in, in my pastoral counseling class, we always talk about anger as a secondary emotion. So when you feel this anger and sometimes fear can do that as well, like it raises a flag and shows that there's something going on below the surface. Right. Right. And so what is it that is so disruptive about this, uh, this coronavirus that is, is moving me into this place of anxiety or stress or fear or anger or having zero patience with my children? I think I could explain that one away because six kids under one roof, like, give me a break. But like sure. most of the other stuff, I wonder like, wow, Justin, like, look how selfish you, you could be, or look how fear could really drive your decision-making. Um, and that has nothing to do with loving my neighbor. Right. So, well, you, you know, I think hitting on fear is, is precisely, perhaps that's the strongest, um, symptom, if you will, of what's going on. But, uh, we, we're, we're afraid to show our fear, right? We're afraid to show our vulnerability. And so right. it is masked often as anger, as rage, as scapegoating, as, uh, uh, you know, any, any number of, um, you know, sure. I think entrenching into, um, ad addictions or, or even, um, not to that level, but just trying to mask and numb our pain, um, in various ways. Um, when fear is, is this, this overriding emotion, I just keep thinking about, um, 
you know, this, uh, John text, um, in one of the, his epistles, um, you know, perfect love drives out fear. Um, what, what, what is it that Jesus calls us to, um, when we are commanded to love one another, um, when we are given the gift, rather the commandment is a gift to us, um, to be free of that fear, um, to, and to love one another. And of course, we're also seeing, um, we're also seeing these tremendous acts of generosity um, right. and, and love and care and kindness uh, yep. and, and neighborly support. Um, yep, absolutely. That is also, you know, kind of this tension that we're living in, in the, in the midst of that. And I think part of why those moments are so staggeringly beautiful for us um, are that we realize there someone or someone's have been liberated from their fear enough to, um, to, enact love in some way. Um, wow. And wouldn't that be a beautiful way to imagine our work in youth ministry right now is to be people who, I don't think that we necessarily have the power to liberate, mm-hmm. but to invite people to experience the liberation of Jesus Christ right. away from fear and towards love for neighbor. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I, I actually, I think that's like a perfect transition to this resource that you've made because when I see this resource, what I see is your desire to um, sort of chart a roadmap for people mm-hmm. uh, towards loving one another. Like, I wonder if that would be an interesting way to perceive of this resource is like, do you want to love your neighbor? Do you want to invite the young people in your youth groups to experience liberation from fear? Well, here are some ways that you might do that. Sure. Would that be a fair way to describe what you've built? That would be uh, not only fair that if you could like write that on my tombstone, um, that would be great. Um, but as I'm sitting in my office, uh, in those early, early days of, um, when this was hitting, I, I did the thing that, you know, I do in fear, which is suddenly I go to a place, um, where I just want to help. And, uh, and I quickly realized I can't, I don't know what to do. I can't help anyone here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) what can I do? What can I do? And, um, you know, after we received our, our stay at home order, um, you know, Princeton was even ahead of, of that curve from like the, the governor's sure. office, but just um, getting those of us who worked on campus to work at home if we were able. Um, and I was just spending hours and hours and hours um, Googling uh, different kinds of resources to send to people in my certificate programs that you mentioned um, that I sure. have the, the privilege of running. Um, to try to support them and their work, because in some ways they were, you know, more frontline um, uh, employees at this point, more essential personnel to to caring for young people more directly. Um, and in the midst of doing that, I just started, um, you know, stockpiling. Some people stockpiled toilet paper. I stockpiled links, you know. <laughs> but after a time of of doing that, I just thought, oh, let's uh, let's figure out a way to categorize these and. Um, let us use the lens that uh, we use at um, the Institute for Youth Ministry, where we are constantly um, thinking about how to um, do youth ministry um, from a theological lens and how to recognize that even if we um, we don't call it uh, a theological lens, that we are always um, demonstrating, proclaiming, issuing forth some kind of uh, message to young people about how, uh, what we believe and, um, who we believe God to be. Um, so in in that sense, you know, uh, 
I started to kind of categorize these different things and get my team um, of, of amazing student workers mobilized. And, um, and we started realizing that the gift that we could give youth ministers right now is we could do the Googling <laughs> for you right. and we could sure. do the reading and we could do the research. And then we could curate what we were finding, um, you know, to be what we, we deem to be, you know, through our criteria, kind of the best of the best that's out there right yeah. now. Um, so that, you know, when, when you as youth worker are in the midst of um, trying to plan how you're going to uh, pivot to this, to a digital space, how you're going to continue caring for your young people, um, how you're going to continue your confirmation class or any, anything else that you are, you know, beholden right. to right now, um, that you could know that there is a team out there that is scouring the web for you so that you this could be your one-stop shop um right. to, to look um and in doing that we realized we kind of came up with uh these six different um categories that things were falling into and within that even further um subcategories um so the intention behind this resource is really to be yeah this this hub this one-stop shop where people can come and see um what what's the best that's out there right now um, that's right. relevant for us right now? Uh, what what ought to be you know worth my time to read and understand? Um, what are new ideas? Um, what are ways to think about uh, what's going on? Um, and so that was really the the impetus behind it. Um, and we're updating this every week uh, with you know new resources that we're finding. We're removing links that. Um, Perhaps, you know, right now, for instance, we have a whole lot on there about um, Holy Week and Easter um, because these are, you know, pressing issues of the day. But we have um, right. other things coming up and other issues coming up. Um, we just realized that while people are, um, you know, doing that kind of frontline work, we could we could do the Googling. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So, OK, this is how people can find this. All right. So if you look up IYM.PTSEM ptsim.edu. So iym.ptsim.edu, you'll get to the the institute's sort of homepage and then you go under resources and then you can select youth ministry in a pandemic. You can probably also just Google Institute for Youth Ministry at Princeton Seminary, a couple ways to find that. But essentially this is like a, a, a page that has these different six different squares on here. So what I thought we'd do is just walk each, you know through each one of these yeah. and you tell me why why was this its own category? Why yeah. do you think this is appropriate for us to uh, maybe be exploring? And then we'll just open that up and maybe point to one or two things inside that uh, you think might be worthwhile. Does that sound okay? Absolutely. And I just wanted to add an additional way um, we have a kind of these banner images on our homepage and they'll scroll through. Um, and, uh, right now, for instance, uh, the very first banner image, um, is promoting, uh, the fact that we are, um, pivoting ourselves to, uh, make one of our flagship events, um, on campus events, uh, a digital conference. So, um, yes. we've just announced, uh, that we're going to have a digital forum on youth ministry, um, and please go to our website, uh, click on the, the banner image that's scrolling, um, and you'll see uh, more information about that. It'll be Wednesday, April 29th from 1130 um, to 4 p.m. Eastern time with scheduled breaks. Um, Kenda Creasy-Dean and Eric Barreto are going to, um, two amazing uh, Princeton professors are going to be um, kind of our main speakers. And then we have an array of amazing small group leaders that are going to um, take us through that time. 
and we're really, you know, going to be meditating on this cultural moment. Um, but anyway, once <laughs> once that screen rolls by, uh, you'll see another banner image for for this website. So, awesome. um, in case you you feel overwhelmed or get lost, uh, that's another way you can easily find us. Yeah, and we'll definitely be pointing to uh, this, uh, but also the uh, the digital forum through all of our Flagler College Youth Ministry. Uh, social media channels and stuff. So, all right. So these six buckets are broken up like this, mental health support, mm-hmm. spiritual formation, digital gatherings, worship and liturgy, learning while leading and theological reflection. So why don't we start with mental health support? Why is that a bucket? And what about that do you um, imagine to be really important right now? Yeah. Well, um, so I'll be candid with you um, in saying this was this is the very first thing that um, that kind of started to uh, weigh on my my heart and mind um, during all of this, um, but has been weighing on my heart and mind long before. Um, the Institute for Youth Ministry has uh, a grant project um, right now called the Log College Project um, that uh, is helping youth leaders. Um, to to think about, well, youth leaders and congregations in general, to think about um, new forms of youth ministry, um, and particularly those that are intergenerational and um, borrow from the tools of, um, of innovation um, and design thinking to really come up with new ways to, um, to engage young people. And mm. uh, in the midst, or one, you know, one of the things that we did um, as a part of that project with these twelve congregations that we're working with really closely um, was we had this event on campus um, back in July called the Design Lab, and the kind of culminating event for the Design Lab was this um, this gathering where the uh, these intergenerational teams from these different churches uh, kind of pitched to us the um, the initiative that they'd come up with after walking with us along this journey. And um, they were fantastic ideas, and we're going to continue to tell those stories. Um, but the thing that I uh, walked away from after that event was um, just a real kind of head-scratching moment um, of, of recognizing that every single story, every single motivation that we heard from these young people came from a, a real sense um, that young people are experiencing a profound mental health crisis. Um, mm-hmm. And that that is, that has been ongoing um, that has crossed um, demographic uh, lines in, in all kinds of ways and for all kinds of reasons. But um, you, we know that anxiety is on the rise. Um, we know that depression is on the rise. We know that um, we have, we have a serious mental health problem um, with, with our young people and um we're we have not yet um, really tackled that, I think, in the church in ways that right. need to be. So, you know, I mean, I, I believe in the work of our log college project, and I also I walked away saying, oh no, did we did we focus on the wrong thing? You know, hmm. um, are we in our desire to do the the best right you know thing um, that we can think to do? Uh, ought our focus to have been on this identified um, issue that young people are are continuing to bring up themselves as this is a real problem. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so mental health, I won't go on and on about every single one of them in this way, but this, this <laughs> one really um, touched my, my heart. Um, in what, sure. what is it, what is it going to look like for, um, for our young people to, 
to grow up during an unspecified period of time in their adolescence when they're discouraged from um, going near, physically near to other people, um, when they are uh, unable to experience, um, you know, consensual and say physical touch. Um, right. It's, I think that, you know, there have been enough um, studies to, to show us that uh, physical touch um, is essential uh, to uh, the development of particularly infants and, and toddlers and so forth. But I think it's, it's essential for all of us. So what are going to be the long-term impacts of, of that kind of thing? Um, right. And what about this right. idea of, of isolation? Um, I'm, you know, also thinking about those who are involuntarily in, um, in situations where they are, um, you know, on the receiving end of all of society's injustices, those who are incarcerated, um, those who are, uh, in, um, immigrant detention centers currently, um, you know, those who are in in homes or in in communities where they are unsafe physically or otherwise. Um, so yeah, so this, this was the one that really captured my heart. Um, and so we, we started to look for uh, various resources for, for youth workers. And we just kind of divided into these subcategories of um, stress and anxiety. And we have resources there for kind of general tips and, and ways of managing this during this time. Uh, some that are specified for, um, for teenagers in particular, um, a couple of resources on there that are really good that we found um, to help. Um, children navigate this period of time because, of course, children become teenagers who become adults. Um, in case you, in case I'm <laughs> news flashing anyone here. <laughs> what? Um, and uh, so, stress and anxiety, grief and loss. Um, we we know that this is a time of uh, of great experiences of loss, whether that be loss of life, loss of um, those um, moments of rites of passage, as we we talked about, um, loss of connection. Uh, so there's a lot of grief that's happening right now. Um, right. Uh, social distancing. We have a tab right now that um, we're kind of exploring and really curious about this phrase um, and what, how, you know, again, how our young people will sort of understand themselves and the world having grown up during a, a period, an episode of social distancing. Um, we also have resources on there about substance abuse and um, hmm. ways in which uh, those who are um, working toward their their sobriety uh, in group meeting settings have really been um, uh, harmed in in the midst right. of it. So um, so we have a kind of d- little directory um, of online sources. And as I'm looking at that right now, I realize there's a there's a typo in one of them. <laughs> We ain't perfect, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Substance abuse online groups and call-in groups. Um, We have a tab for parents and caregivers. Uh, So what is it like? Um, You've touched on this as as the father of of many um, who are in your home right now. Um, You know, how do we we make sure that we're caring for ourselves and for um, what are strategies for our coping with our anger and stress that we don't dump those out on our our young people? Um, Right. And what are tools and tips we have uh, for, for dealing with all of that? Um, and then self-care is, a, um, I think, a really essential um, question right now. So as youth leaders, as parents, as adults, um, how are we ensuring that we are tending to um, our, our very selves, our, our bodies, our hearts, our minds, um, our souls, so that we can um, ensure that we don't 
inflict further harm upon young people um, during this time and so that we don't do harm to ourselves. Um, right. So that's sort of this section um, and the motivation behind it. It's amazing. I mean, they're really, I, I wish people could just, uh, well, I, I do wish that they would just open it and take a look because there's, um, you really have curated a lot of resources. And from what you said, it sounds like you vetted these, You your team has read this and said, hey, this is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, so you pull that together. It's incredible. So let's go to spiritual formation. You know, this is a task that um, that youth leaders are and, and parents are, um, are tasked with. And uh, it is, you know, a lot of the heart of why we get into this work. Sometimes we get overwhelmed with um, the nitty gritty of like budgets and, um, you know, I don't know, camps, well, camps could do this as well, but like we get, you know, into the nitty gritty of our work, um, whatever the job description says, and, and we can kind of veer away from uh, this, the thing that really has called us and, and pulled us into um, youth ministry in the first place. Um, that being that thing being God, first of all, but, um, and, and God's desire, what we recognize is God's desire um, to, to shape um, and mold and, and, um, continue to, to cultivate uh, young disciples. Um, so the spiritual uh, formation page, we have some resources on spiritual practices. Uh, so this mm. has been a real time of kind of um, turning to our rich Christian tradition to uh, know and understand what are the kinds of things that we can do um, uh, by ourselves um, in, in our own spaces. Um, and what are some of the, the tools that are out there right now that can help young people um, to really um, dive into to the richness of our, of our traditions. We also have some resources on um, intergenerational relationships. So this has been a, a strong interest um, of the Institute for Youth Ministry for many, many years. Um, right. And I know continues to be an interest um, for all of you at, at Flagler as well. Um, and is, I mean, really the whole youth ministry kind of conversation right now is around this idea of um, we this segmented, um, you know, maybe group model of the eighties and nineties, uh, doesn't seem to have produced the kind of lifelong faithful Christian discipleship that we had hoped for, um, with right. our intentions during those times. So what does it look like to continue to foster intergeneral intergenerational relationships at, at this time? Um, mm -hmm. I think attending to also the way that we know, um, this virus is impacting different generations differently. Um, right. So right. what does that mean? How do we reflect on that? Um, how do we teach and, and interact with our young people accordingly? Um, and then lastly, there's a section on community care. And what we mean by that um, really are, how are the ways that we can ensure that we're providing um, pastoral care and, and love for our immediate communities? And how do we think even beyond that? Um, to caring for uh, the world, as we were talking about earlier, how do we transform um, the kind of love that we give uh, into action uh, during this time? So lots of places, great places to donate, um, as well as some ideas around things like um, creating mutual aid networks, um, looking into our financial health, um, and so forth and so on. I love that that's all under the category of spiritual formation, because this is what I, what I see in this is a far more integrated way of thinking about ourselves, our faith lives. Um, and, and maybe one of the gifts of this pandemic is it's forcing us to ask some questions like that. So um, I love that. So what about digital gatherings? That's another bucket here. Sure. Yeah. So this is, you know, all of a sudden, um, many of us who have uh, kind of a, a love-hate relationship with the internet, um, <laughs> 
uh, and with you know digital technologies are recognizing that in fact you know perhaps in and of itself it's it's a medium for communication and connection and it is a tool it isn't inherently evil nor is it inherently good right we um, right. So we have the opportunity now, I think, in some really interesting ways to embrace this brave new world, embrace this technology and um, learn how to do, how to form and create connection and cultivate relationships across um, a digital medium. Um, so we have, you know, a list of digital tools. Many of these people will be familiar with, but we've just tried to point to um, particular things that sure. are helpful for folks, um, along with some other tips and advice um, for, for people there. We're trying to compile a list of digital activities. Uh, you know, ordinarily the the IYM is not necessarily a a, a place where you go to um, kind of find your you know ten top ways to lead a game with you know, uh, <laughs> bananas and I don't know beach balls or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> that's kind of not our brand. Though I, you better believe I I play those games with young people when I <laughs> when I have the opportunity to. And I or for when you're hanging out, whatever. Yeah, yeah keep or just casually <laughs> hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, we all know that we play these games not because we're just trying to kill ten minutes or whatever. We play these games because we we know and honor the way that they foster community and connection among our young yeah. people and ourselves, um, and create these shared experiences. And so. Um, so we're trying to cultivate a list of digital activities as we find them. Um, and I have to say, I have so much hope for the church um, in the creativity. I am seeing that that um, people who work with young people are bringing to the table. I mean, you know, that's my lens. I know there's amazing creativity going on even beyond this, but um, right. I'm on several groups with my um, various certificate programs and uh, they're just sharing ideas back and forth about these amazing things that they're being able to do digitally. And I just cool. I absolutely love it. It is so encouraging to see this creative life coming out of so many people. Right. Absolutely. Motivated by love. Yeah. You know, like trying to figure out what does it mean to love our neighbor if I can't go hang out or if they exactly. can't come thing or whatever so right yeah and, and you know you and i have been involved in these conversations around innovation and the church and innovation and youth ministry and what does that really mean and you know the fact is the church has always been a hotbed of innovation um we we grow you know weary and afraid um again there's that fear coming out uh to to kind of rock the boat to do something um a little different but uh we're all in a moment right now where we're having to throw caution a bit to the wind and just try things out, um, which is how innovation happens. And um, right. so, yeah, right. so it's been really wonderful. So we have a list of that. And then um, another deep concern I know that many people have, uh, we we are in a, a time and a place um, and in the United States in a very litigious society <laughs> where um, <laughs> we're very uh, attentive to the safety um, that our young people experience in our care. Um, many of us prioritize safe space um, and uh, making sure that we've, we're operating at the highest levels of safe church policies, um, safeguarding uh, policies and so forth. So uh, we're trying to figure out, you know, in real time, how do we keep young people safe um, online as we engage with them? So uh, we have a couple of resources in that direction right now. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Worship and liturgy. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, along with the emphasis on um, intergenerational uh, connection. We know that there are um, senior pastors who deeply care about young people. Um, we know that there are, um, and and thank you. We see you. We love you. Um, you know, people who are tasked with with many things. Solo pastors who do it all. Um, and 
And so, you know, all of these folks are in a position right now of having to uh, rethink what worship looks like. Um, and, mm. uh, and our young, you know, many of our, our youth leaders are also those who offer some kind of a worshipful, worshipy experience um, for young people. I just call it worship. I don't know why I put the why at the end of that. Apologies. Um, but, uh, so we've prov- provided some resources that we think um, could be really excellent for people to use during those times. So we have, uh, for instance, um, some resources around uh, prayer um, and and guides of, of different kinds of prayers. So some, some guidance in that direction. Um, music and poetry, um, which can speak to us in uh, ways that, um, you know, plain a language like we're, you know, uh, that prose perhaps is not speaking to us. Um, right. Some beautiful resources in that direction right now. Um, scripture and study. Uh, so how do we continue to um, to learn, to grow, to dive into um, our our texts to see what um, what the Bible has to say to us in this moment? Um, sacraments hmm. and rituals. So uh, there's lots of. I'm sure that you've you've seen this as well. There's lots of very um, vehement conversation on social media yeah. channels right now around things like sacraments. Um, how do we celebrate uh, communion with one another in this digital space? Um, some people are, are engaging in some some online debates, and I just want to say to you, bless you, and also go take a nap. It's okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we don't have to fight about this right now, right? Um, but you know, that's that my own. We're always looking for something to fight about. Right, exactly, exactly. But another, you know, very serious um, thing that we need to be thinking about, and that many churches are dealing with, is um, the important ritual that we have of. Uh, holding memorial services and funerals for those who have passed. And we are right. in a very strange moment where we have to rethink those as well. Um, so what what does that look like? This is a section where you can really um, begin to see some of how we're diving into to thinking through that. And then um, sermons. Um, so whether it be uh, lectionary texts and, and commentary on those, uh, whether it be some... Um, ways to think about what it might be uh, to to proclaim God's word in the midst of this moment, um, whether it be some um, sermon, uh, some sermons themselves that we find particularly inspiring. Um, this is uh, this is the place to go for that. Love it. That's incredible. I do think there are going to be some fascinating things that we learn about liturgy, about rituals, about worship that this is going to teach us. Yeah. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, learning while leading. Yeah, learning while leading. So um, I stole this phrase from uh, our Office of Continuing Education at Princeton Seminary, which is actually the office that um, the Institute for Youth Ministry sits under right now, or sits alongside. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> we're all we're all the team, and um, uh, one of the tag uh, the like t- phrase. Tags, phrase, what am I trying to say? Taglines, thank you. Tag, there it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that the continuing, office, the continuing Education Office uses is this uh, learning while leading. So um, uh, a phrase that we often use in within the office is um, that many of us are always in a position of trying to um, build the boat as we row it. Right. Uh, so this oh, is yeah. while you're doing this leading, how do you continue to learn and grow and ignite um, the parts of yourself that um, that you love to tap into um, as ministers that uh, helps you to think, think anew, think fresh um, 
and and is refreshing and rewarding to you during this time. So we're we're providing as much as we can uh, lists of live and recorded webinars that are going on right now. Um, we have uh, some online classes and conferences. I'm just um, looking at this site and realizing I haven't put our digital forum on there yet, but it will be very soon. Um, right. And then yeah. some some coaching and support. It's amazing the the gifts that um, many of our uh, partner and friend and amazing organizations such as Ministry Architects, um, our friends over at the Youth Cartel, they're they're offering you know free coaching, free hours of consulting during this time, right. um, free opportunities for youth pastors to to get online and um, and have some support with one another. Um, that's uh, that's something that we want to point to as much as possible here. Yeah, I think that's incredible. It's amazing. All right. The last bucket here or the last category is theological reflection. And we're not doing these in any particular order, but this is the last one to cover the resource. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is one, this is kind of the work that we're always about at the Institute for Youth Ministry. How are we reflecting theologically? How are we engaging theologically in our work um, in in youth ministry? How are we doing so with intention? Um, Mm. And so uh, we are, we've here compiled some of the um, resources that we find to be really compelling right now. So perhaps you're a youth minister who is, um, you know, you've put together the amazing game that you're going to do on Zoom with the, um, you know, printout Bible story that you've put together and a uh, home practice, and you just need something to um, feed your own soul right now. And you don't have time necessarily to watch a whole um uh, webinar or to take an online class, um, come here <laughs> and uh, be enriched by um, by this, the spaces um, that are in this section. We have, um, I mean, it's so hard. I really love this section, so it's hard to point to anything in particular, but, um, you know, conversations around how the coronavirus is impacting uh, communities of color, particularly um, communities of African-American and Black um, people in the United States right now, um, right. how racism, um, particularly acts of prejudice and, and racism and discrimination against Asian Americans um, is is happening in the wake of this. Uh, how do we reflect on that meaningfully? What are we called to do as, um, as, as Christians and as leaders? Um, how do we attend to the intersection between um, the conversation around disability um, and what's going on uh, currently? How are we, uh, what are we learning about um, uh you know, our own ableism in, um, in, in this country. Um, We have a couple resources here from Princeton professors and um, thinkers specifically that, um, that I think are really wonderful. Dr. Shane Berg, who's the executive vice president at Princeton Theological Seminary within um, days. Yeah. A couple of days after we started working from home, um, we got this article on social distancing and the love of neighbor. Um, And it, is this deep theological reflection on what it means to do that work right now. Um, So, yeah, so that's what this section is about. Um, There's a couple, most of these are articles, but we're going to be adding um, other kinds of resources here as well um, in the coming weeks. I love it. I love it. I love it. So Megan, what I hear big picture, um, I hear in your passion and in your energy is trying to gather these resources uh, even if a youth worker were to just lock onto one of these and find it helpful, it sounds like that would be meaningful to you. And it feels like that's, that's the, the goal here is to make it easy for folks right now who are trying to work from home, trying to figure out what youth ministry looks like now in their church, trying to keep kids connected and take care of volunteers and all the things. Yeah. Uh, you're trying to simplify their search for trustworthy quality resources. Right. Right. We're trying to say, um, let us curate this stuff 
for you. Your time uh, right now um, can be better spent, I imagine, uh, than than the massive amounts of Googling that can go into this in an information right. overload kind of time in our history. Um, so we're trying to take that step out uh, from under you to um, to provide you with what we're finding to be the best of the best. And we're, you know, we're open also to your um, your input and your suggestions. I would say if you have something that we don't see here, um, please feel free to send us an email. You can do so at IYM at PTSEM.edu. I love it. I think this is a significant offering and to go full circle in our conversation, I think that this is a beautiful expression of what it means to try and love our neighbor uh, in this weird time. So uh, maybe in closing, Megan, would you be willing to offer a blessing or a benediction of sorts mm -hmm. uh, for youth workers who, who might be listening to this episode? And, and obviously you've done that through this incredible resource and you're doing that through your work, uh, but maybe a blessing or a benediction for this uh, podcast episode for this yeah. time. I would be honored to do so. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so just calling to mind again that that we are, um, you and I, Justin, are having this conversation on on Good Friday. Um, and we've all seen the the meme uh, that's been floating around that says, this is the lentiest Lent we've ever Lented. Um, <laughs> I imagine that we're going to be going into the lentiest Easter we've ever Eastered um, for, <laughs> for quite a while. Um, and so on that note, um, this is what I would say to, to any of the, the listeners, um, those who are in the trenches doing youth ministry right now, um, my, my dear friends, I know that we are in a vulnerable moment, but it's perhaps our vulnerability that is precisely the lesson that we're called to learn during this and every Holy week. So on this good Friday, as we journey with Jesus toward the cross, May we take with us the grief, the fear, and the uncertainty of this moment. And as we sit in the darkness of the tomb and the despair of this long Holy Saturday that we are going to be living in for quite a while, may we trust and proclaim and remind one another that resurrection is on the way. Amen. Amen to that. Amen. Megan, I'm grateful for you and your ministry and your work. I'm grateful for your friendship. And I'm grateful for your time on this Good Friday morning, this Friday that they call good, as you texted me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, friend. Thank you so much for your the gift of this resource and for your time this morning. Thank Thanks you. for being on here. Thank you so much, Justin. I really appreciate your time on this Good Friday as well. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Missing Voices podcast. I hope that this focus on youth ministry in the midst of this pandemic uh, was helpful to you in some way. I hope that there was maybe even just one moment during this last episode, maybe the benediction or, or, or the signs of hope, uh, something that was a gift to you and maybe helps you carry out your work uh, that you have before you. You can follow what we're up to at missingvoices.flagler.edu, missingvoices.flagler.edu, uh, and we hope that you are well. The work you are doing is incredibly important, and we want to figure out ways to be a part of that with you. Take care. <laughs>